Well, good morning, everybody. It's Palm Sunday. Probably the strangest and most disjointed liturgy in the whole church year, uh, in the whole book, uh, especially when we haven't done it in three years. It begins with a crowd joyfully praising God, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And it ends with another crowd crying, Crucify him, crucify him. It begins with Jesus triumphantly riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it ends with Jesus being led to cavalry, with Simon of Cyrene carrying his cross behind him. It begins with the blessing of, of our palm branches, declared to be the sign of Jesus' victory. But it ends with Jesus' death on the cross, an apparent sign of his defeat. It begins with a lively procession, but it ends with solemn and sad silence as Jesus' body is laid to rest. Why does a story and a liturgy that begins with exuberance and triumph end with desolation and anguish and death? And why is this part of our story, and not only a part of it, but right at the center of it? Why is it that as a prayer for Palm Sunday in our prayer book goes, God's most dear son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified? Well, as a matter of historical circumstance, Jesus was crucified because he challenged the established order, social, political, religious. And the disjointedness of our liturgy today is therefore in part a reflection on how Jesus was perceived by those around him, and particularly those who were in power. And uh, it also uh, uh, sheds light on the divided, fractured state of their souls. And therefore, this reveals that there is something wrong, something broken in humanly established orders and hierarchies, our ways of arranging our lives and our societies. And, and not just back then, but now, because are we really all that different than the people in the Bible? And it seems that at the heart of what is broken in our world and in our political and, yes, personal lives is human pride. It's the arrogance of Caesar, of Pilate, of Herod. It's the anxious self-importance of the religious leaders. It's the contemptuousness of the crowd that repeatedly calls for Jesus to be crucified. Pride, it seems, leads to indifference and insensitivity to the pain of others, to cruelty, to harmful speech, the severing of relationships, and yes, injustice and violence on every scale from Cleveland to Ukraine. It also reliably separates us from God, who is life. And uh, you probably do not need me to tell you that pride is in no short supply in our world today in our elected leaders, in our social media feeds, in too many of our day-to-day -day interactions, and yes, 
in our churches. But we are called to humility. There's an old saying that goes, humility is the foundation of all the other virtues. And Thomas Merton wrote that pride makes us artificial. Humility makes us real. Today, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, a humble, gentle, quiet animal. These are the qualities of a creature, of a person that can carry Christ. Now, donkeys, as as some of you may know, actually have crosses on their backs. It's in the pattern of their fur. It's, It's literally in their DNA. Now, I discovered this only a couple of years ago when I was at an Episcopal retreat center in Connecticut uh, where I went for a springtime blessing of the bees and farmland. And they had this group of donkeys there, and, and the retreat center director told me that yeah, they all have these, these crosses on their backs, and, and what an amazing theological resonance that is with this story, uh, especially considering that, that Jesus is getting on a donkey is echoing a prophecy in Zechariah about the king, the Messiah, riding in uh, gently and, and humbly on a donkey. Could have had no idea that a cross would be part of that story. I was totally blown away by this. Now, Christ, who boldly confront, uh, confronted and challenged the corrupt powers of his time, he was also humble. Today, we heard from Paul's letter to the Philippians that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather emptied and humbled himself. Humility makes us real, Thomas Merton tells us. It takes us out of the center of our universe and reorients us around God, who is the true center. It it right-sizes us, to use a brilliant Alcoholics Anonymous phrase. It opens our hearts. It makes us sensitive and compassionate toward others, and yes, toward ourselves. It makes us more like Jesus. So, as we begin Holy Week, let us enter it with this posture of humility. Like the donkey in this story, let us gently carry Christ with us into the days ahead. Let us take time to be quiet and humble before God and come together in this sacred space. Let us resist the noise and the agitation of the world around us, at least for a little while. Let us offer to God all that is broken in our hearts, in our communities, and and even in our world. And let us ask God to heal all that is broken and divided within us and around us. And let us offer ourselves to be agents of God's healing, reconciling, and redeeming love. Amen.